Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The following episode contains disturbing and graphic accounts of survivor experiences. It may not be suitable for younger audiences. Please listen with care. From iHeartRadio, London Audio, and executive producer Paris Hilton, this is Trapped in Treatment. We're your hosts, Rebecca Mellinger. And Caroline Cole, one troubled teen industry survivor. And one investigator on a mission to expose the truths of an industry plagued by controversy and to make sure that no child has to experience the hell that is teen treatment. In today's episode, we start at the beginning of every survivor's journey, the transport. Often taken in the middle of the night, crying out for parents instructed not to respond, this episode will be difficult to listen to and even harder to comprehend. We will talk to the sister of a survivor, a transporter, and a senator, all with their own perspectives of the transport journey. Well, growing up, I had a really troubled time growing up with my family, to be honest. Um, I normally was a really smart, funny, nice girl, but at home it was fighting all the time, yelling, screaming. Natalia Dominguez was just 12 years old when she first entered the foster care system. She was very soft-spoken when we talked with her. She told us how she moved around a lot, and she hated being home, where she felt attacked and cast out, so she looked to friends for support, finding a new crowd in every city she moved to, generally older and already experimenting with drugs. I was really depressed up until age 11. That's when I started making friends and um, trying to not think about my family and what was going on at home. And I, I blossomed with friends, but when it came back to my family, you know, it, 
I was depressed all over again. Eventually, she caught up with the wrong crowd. And one night, someone gave her a pill likely laced with fentanyl. When she woke up, she was in the hospital. For two weeks, she lay in a hospital room, crying and waiting for her parents to come. But they refused. Then one morning, a social worker came with some news. A social worker came like at 12 in the morning and she was like, well, you have to come with me. And I was like, no, my mom's going to pick me up. She's just mad. And she ended up taking me. And I cried so much that night. My eyes have never been that swollen before. Shuttled back and forth between group homes for a few years, she would eventually end up back with her father. Being home was better than being in the group home, so she did her best to make her father happy. Until one early afternoon in 2006, Natalia was sitting in her room, putting on makeup. She was 16 years old. She felt good, happy for the first time in a long time. Her dad was mad she hadn't gone to school that morning, but she was getting dressed, planning to head in to make him happy. She was almost ready to go when she heard a knock on her bedroom door. My dad knocked on the door and he said that someone was there to talk to me and I said, hey, why did you call the cops? I, I'm, I'm here, I didn't leave. And it was a man and a woman. They said, do you wanna do this the hard way or the easy way? And they had my hands in their hands, my wrists in their hands. <laughs> I couldn't move, I couldn't go and say bye to my bird. Like, they had a firm grip on me at that point and they did not let go. I was yelling like, dad, who are these people? Where are they taking me? Why is nobody saying anything to me? Natalia was being transported, taken by strangers from her house to a school hundreds of miles away. Some might say that she needed to be sent away, that perhaps she was better off than being with her father or in foster care. But the uncomfortable truth? Natalia probably needed more attention, more support than ever before. Trauma. A Greek word that literally means wound. The beginning of the treatment journey often starts with this word, a swift, confusing, and deep wound. A child's instincts are to trust its parents, its protectors, its guardians. Even when things are going wrong, they still instinctively want to trust. When this trust is broken enough times, it becomes impossible to believe that anyone truly cares for you. Often taking place in the middle of the night, but sometimes during the day, like my own transport. The most important element of the transport is surprise, when the child is least expecting it. They're often woken from deep sleep by two strangers, dressed in black, standing over them in their room. Others account being bombarded by these transporters while at school or even a friend's house. Their parents have been advised that this is the best course of action, the safest way to get their child to the treatment facility. It is fast, efficient, and an experience that every child can recall with heart-fluttering fear absolutely traumatic. The damage done by fast departures often extend far beyond the immediate individual. 
Siblings and family members are also traumatized, leaving fractures in trust and family cohesion for years to come. In 2006, Michael Krim was 16 years old, popular, charismatic, and always surrounded by friends from the neighborhood. His little sister Natalie was just 13 years old at the time, and she loved her big brother. Like any adoring younger sister, she recalls always wanting to hang out with him. Since he was little, he was just always really funny. He was eccentric. He liked to dress differently. Michael has bright red hair, so he was like always the center of attention. Natalie never heard her brother fighting with her parents. She doesn't remember him getting into trouble. He had never been sent away before, and in their close-knit family, something like that would have been obvious, or so she thought. So when he disappeared, literally overnight, it shattered Natalie's world. So I was sent to my best friend's house for a sleepover, and that wasn't completely unusual to have a sleepover at her house on a school night, but it was kind of like a treat, like, oh, wow, I get to go stay at her house. And her mom took us to the movies and she took us to Johnny Rockets after. And then we went to school the next day. Um, my mom was a little bit late to pick me up from school and I'd left one of my books in my locker. So we had to go back and get it. And um, we got to the stoplight and I said, when's Michael coming home? I, I haven't seen him you know, in two days or something. And um, she's stopped and she said, he's not coming home. So that was the first time I heard about it. Um, she didn't, they didn't really explain anything. We drove back to my house and my dad was home and I kind of just ran upstairs to my room. And I remember my dad, you know, upset saying, you told her, you know, and I just went in my room and I put music on and that was the first I heard that he was gone. Natalie was devastated. At just 13 years old, she couldn't quite comprehend what her mother had said. She slept in her brother's bed that night, waiting for him to come home. As time went on and months passed by, she eventually grasped that he was really gone. Grappling with the loss of Michael, she needed answers. How did he just seem to vanish? Finally, Natalie faced her parents and asked the question she could not bear to hold any longer. What really happened that night? They were instructed, we had um, a dog at the time, so they were instructed to wait in the car outside with our dog. And Michael was sleeping in his bedroom and two men came in um, and put him in handcuffs and basically, in my mind, kidnapped him in the middle of the night and walked him to a car. And then they put him on a plane and he had to sit in the back of a plane in handcuffs. And he had no idea where he was going until he arrived in Utah. And my, I know talking to my mom that she said that when she walked back in the house, she went into his room and um, his bed was still warm. And that was just really upsetting for her. As time went on and months passed by, she eventually grasped that he was really gone. Slowly, a rift began to form in the Krim household. It created such a divide between me and 
my parents, especially though my dad, I just, you know, I blamed them a lot for him not being here. While Natalie couldn't understand why her parents would send Michael away, they had their own reasons. It must be said that most parents who send their children for treatment often think it is the best and sometimes only solution. And I think that they just didn't know how to handle I don't want to use the word control, but they just didn't know how to like keep Michael on track. And this was a this was an opportunity that came to them and they thought that this would be the best the best place. They were kind of at at a I don't know, not I think it was just kind of a last resort for them. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Distressed, exhausted, and fearful for their kids, parents truly will do anything. It can be easy to make the parents out as cruel. But there's often a much more complex reason that they consider sending their child away. At one point in every teen's life, there comes a moment where they begin to push away, to rebel. Parents often take this behavior personally. They feel like they're losing control of their child. However, this behavior is normal and actually to be expected. An article written by best-selling author Dr. Lisa Damore called The Seven Stages of Being a Teenage Girl theorizes that especially for young women, there are seven key developmental moments that trigger behavior. Each stage is a necessary part of the transition from childhood to adulthood. Maybe if more parents understood this, they wouldn't be so quick to send their kids away. Two years after being taken, Michael Krim finally returned home. But it wouldn't be until years later that he would open up and share the traumatic experiences he went through at Provo Canyon School with his family. For other parents, sending their kids away can be a means of surrender. So you think like two and a half years, oh man, you must have been like a really bad kid. Like you must have been on drugs, like prostituting yourself. Katie Mack is a survivor. 
one who attended Provo at the same time as Paris. When I was uh, young, so I'm, I'm a, from a big family, um, but when I was younger, it was a smaller family. And the youngest child, uh, you know, uh, my little sister got uh, uh, actually was diagnosed with cancer when I was five years old. She watched as her parents succumbed to grief. And um, over the next five years, it, you know, we watched her like lose her fight to cancer. And she ended up passing away uh, when she was uh, when she was five years old and I was 10 years old. And it really hit my parents uh, hard. Um, the best I can say, like, you know, all grace to them is they kind of mentally checked out for like a couple of years. Like my older brother and sister moved out to college and I was kind of home alone a lot. And um, I think by the time my mom started checking back in when I was like 12 or 13, like by then the effects of like being kind of left alone while my sister wasn't like in treatment and being left alone and like neglected a little bit, not neglected. Like I was, you know, dirty with flies in the corner, just no one paying attention. Um, I was a little bit like of a mouthy teenager. Um, I definitely was like, uh, like mouthy and rebellious and like talking back. It, that was really the big thing. And um, my parents, because they were so used to like my sister being sick and stuff, they saw everything as kind of a disease, something you had to treat, including my like teenage rebellion. Katie would be sent to Provo for two and a half years. Now an adult, she and her parents have found understanding and forgiveness. Like many parents who are unaware of the truths of the industry, they grew to regret their decision. If you ask my parents now, they will apologize profusely and admit that this was kind of like the biggest mistake of their life, uh, sending me away. The parents of these survivors made decisions that would alter their children's futures forever, based on a judgment during one of the most transitional times in their child's lives. In this state of fear, parents are quick to lean into the arms of professionals, with the first call often being to a transport company. Angie Maddox, the founder of Next Step Youth, an at-risk youth transportation service, knows that call all too well. A previous juvenile probation officer, she's been working with at-risk youth for the past 27 years. While many conversations around transport services center on the wrong being done, we wanted to understand how and why parents and providers alike feel that this step is necessary. We come in and we try to take the emotion out of it for the parents because the parents are, it's, it's so stressful and heart-wrenching. These parents are having to do this with their child to begin with. So trying to actually transport their child on, on their own um, is many times more difficult on not only the parent, but the child. Angie describes her company as a Christian one with an ethos of helping rather than hurting the kids. With over 15 years in child transport, she has observed transports from every background and influence. They don't know our buttons. So they, you know, that's why it's safer. Um, it's, you know, an unbiased person. It's not mom, dad, grandparent. You know, it's, it, we're somebody else on the outside. And so there are so many times that it's, Definitely the best decision to hire someone who's trained in this field to, to take that child and get them there uh, safely. But many survivors detail this as the first and most defining trauma of their treatment experience, 
Regardless of well-meaning intentions from parents and transporters themselves, there's a clear lack of understanding of just how traumatic an experience this can be for a child. Transport is often grouped together with the treatment, as they play a vital role at the beginning of a patient's journey. So it was surprising to learn that it is the parents who generally request the service. In fact, they are the only ones who can. Due to the fact that a temporary release of custody is assigned to the hired transporter. So we are hired most of the time by families um, or at least legal guardians. Sometimes we are hired by a government entity. Uh, it could be a probation department or it could be a mental health uh, program that has guardianship over a child. But they basically hire us to take the child from, I always like to say, point A to point B. So if the parent hires us, most of the time, we are going into their home and we are picking up the child in their home and we are transporting them either to a residential treatment center, a wilderness program, therapeutic boarding school. Sometimes it may be a hospital. Um, sometimes we're being hired to go pick them up at a hospital and take them to a long-term program. Overwhelmed parents are then faced with the difficult decision, trusting someone to take their child away. Almost, I'd say 99% of my agents have some form of law enforcement background or psychology or military um, they, they're all degreed personnel. Their training consists of CPR, first aid. Um, there's a program called Handle with Care that many of my agents are required to go through. And that teaches crisis intervention uh, skills, uh, de-escalation skills, um, you know, we, we want all our agents to be able to go through that type of program or similar so that they know how to provide a safe transport for these children. As good as all that sounds, many survivors detail this as the first and most defining trauma of their treatment experience. Not only are they being ripped from their beds, it's the timing of the transport that's the most difficult to comprehend. It's the industry standard to take children in the middle of the night. The element of surprise makes it much simpler for transport agents to control the situation and all the more traumatic for the child. A lot of kids will say, why didn't my parents tell me? Why didn't my parents tell me? Uh, well, if your parents would have told you we were coming, would you be here? Well, no. And I'm like, okay. So that is why your parents didn't tell you. Uh, you know, so, you know, we, we just want to make the experience as, you know, as least traumatic as possible for those kids without any injury. Think about it, if you walk into a house and the child's in a living room or a kitchen, then there's so many things that can happen. They can, you know, in a kitchen, they could grab all kinds of things to hurt themselves or us. Um, there's a back door. They could run out a back door. Um, there, there's too many things that they could get their hands on that, you know, could cause injury to them or the agents. 
So that's why waking them up in the morning, catching them off guard, and hopefully catch them in their bedroom contained is just a lot safer for everybody. Safer for everybody? It sounds ideal, but is it accurate? Kids are often physically restrained during the journey. If they show any amount of non-compliance, this can look like anything from full body holds to handcuffs and zip ties. And while it may protect the agents, it doesn't protect the kids. There's no situation where being constrained and forcibly held is a passive or positive experience. It, if they're fighting us, then my agents are trained to uh, restrain kids safely. You know, it, it, not to hurt them, just to restrain them so they're not hurting themselves or us. And we talk to them and really work on the calming and de-escalating the situation to the best of our ability. Um, when we do that, most of the time the kids do calm down um, because of how my agents are talking with them. Um, but we tell the parents we may have to restrain them if they're doing something that could cause harm to themselves or us. Otherwise, that's a very last resort um, because you'll have some kids just say, no, I'm not going. <laughs> They're yelling and screaming and trying to hit us at the same time uh, or spit at us or kick at us. Um, so my agents do have to sometimes use those you know, techniques. These techniques have a documented history of causing harm, like the recent case of Cornelius Frederick, a 16-year-old boy enrolled at Lakeside Academy in Michigan. On April 29th of 2020, he threw a piece of sandwich at another student. Two days later, he was dead, the result of improper restraint techniques used by staff at the facility. Ma'am? Yes, I am. Yes, hey, tell me exactly what happened. Um, we have a student that was in a restraint, and, and now he's unresponsive. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
the transport industry is another one of these things where it just blew my mind that it was real. Um, I think most of us have seen it in movies or TV shows, and it just seems like this fantastical kind of a thing. We were lucky enough to catch up with Senator Sarah gelser Bluen, a state senator from Oregon who's been in office since 2013. I can think of nothing more terrifying than being ripped from my bed where I think that I'm safe and being taken away by strangers that I think are kidnapping me while the parents that I trust to protect me are looking on. I mean, there, there's just so much that is wrong with it. Appalled by what she learned about the treatment and transport industry after taking office, she now stands at the forefront of reforming several key aspects of this industry. Most recently, she tackled transports, fighting for regulation and oversight where it doesn't yet exist. Like most who become aware of the teen treatment and secure transport industries, Senator gelser Bluen was shocked by the stories she was hearing. But something that really blew her away was the lack of regulation in the space. You don't have to be licensed. You don't have to be certified. We don't have background check requirements. There's no um, you know, restriction on the use of restraint and seclusion. If you look at the contracts parents sign, they give the the transport providers permission to forcibly restrain um, children, including the use of mechanical restraints. That's how they get around child abuse allegations because it's basically been directed by the parents who have you know more broad disciplinary authority. This is just hor- horrific. It happens in um, public programs too. Uh, there was a youth in Oregon who uh, was not violent. Uh, was not suicidal, but was put in ankle shackles and and handcuffs to travel all the way from Portland, Oregon to uh, Clarinda, Iowa, through the airport, on the airplane. I mean, it's just unacceptable. So unacceptable that in 2021, Senator Gelser-Bluen introduced Senate Bill 710 to regulate the use of restraints and require licensure of transport companies. SB 710 was the first bill of its kind, requiring facilities within Oregon to report any and all restraint incidents publicly. In a move that would prove vital, she also included transport companies in the bill for any transports that begin or ended on Oregon roads. It requires that transporters be registered as child care agencies and expressly forbids the use of mechanical restraints of any sort. So this legislation that I introduced this session, it's part of a broader bill that also will prohibit in Oregon the use of prone and supine restraint in all kids' residential programs and require some very specific um, training, a lot more transparency. We will know how many restraints and what types and seclusions are used in each facility quarterly published on their website. You will be able to go to the website of Program Y and know how many kids they restrained that prior month and for how long they were restrained. So as part of that bill, um, we took the transport companies and again, became the first state in the country to do this. uh, And we are requiring that they be licensed as child caring agencies, which means all of the restraint prohibitions apply to them. They are expressly prohibited from the use of mechanical restraints, from blindfolds, from handcuffs, strip searches, all of those things, they cannot do them. This was positive news. At least one state in the nation making a ton of progress on safety within the transport industry. But that also means that there are 49 other states that currently have unlicensed companies transporting kids every day. I think what is really needed is federal legislation because what you're looking at is transporting kids across state lines. 
And I, I think that's, I hope that's something other states would look at as well. If we are removing children from their families um, because they aren't safe, we should be holding the people we're placing them with, uh, with to a higher standard. Out of sight, out of mind, or so the saying goes. But in the case of legal kidnapping, parents signing over guardianship to strangers who forcibly take their children in restraints, often from their beds, cannot be overlooked. Legislation like Senate Bill 710 is of vital importance to the regulation of this process and adds a needed layer of transparency, accountability, and hopefully safety for the youth being transported. We want to be clear. While we plan to challenge the overall need for this industry throughout this season, each step along the treatment journey is an important piece of the overall picture. Even with these added measures of safety in the transport process, once they arrive at their destination, innocent children are now prisoners of a program, one that claims to be a school but may prove to be one of the single most alienating and traumatic experiences of their lives. Once inside, it quickly becomes clear that Provo Canyon is not a school, not by a long shot. You first get there, you have to experience girls screaming, locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping, and you're like, where am I? Holy heck, this is not what I expected. Next time on Trapped in Treatment. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.